Welcome to the Small Hours Podcast. My name's Al Gavado. And I'm your brother Joe. <laughs> See what happens when you take a week off? You're like way off. You thought you had shaken off all the rust and the rust just built up. I was right. I was waiting to say, yay! Uh, small well, hours! Alright, we can do that again. I guess here we go. Welcome to the Small Hours Podcast. My name's Al Gavado. Thank you very much for joining us. It is episode number 16! Yay! All right, and uh, like I said, I'm Al Guevara. And I'm Brother Joe. There you go. All right, so that's, uh, that's the, uh, we'll just edit out the other one. Okay. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> don't, don't, nobody tell him. All right, anyway, so uh, a lot of big news that we're going to be talking about. Uh, of course, the hugest news this week that uh, I, I, we can't start this episode without talking about Steve Harvey. No, we'll talk about that <laughs> one later. <laughs> Star Wars Force Awakens stormed the box office, walking away with about uh, $247.9 million in its first three days domestically. That's including the $57 million in Thursday night quote-unquote previews. So it's kind of a three-day, but it's more of a cheat, you know? So it kind of added on there. Also added another $281 million internationally. A massive $528.9 million worldwide opening. Suffice to say, this shatters the domestic box office opening weekend record of $208.8 million that I thought was really, well, I thought was unreachable except by Star Wars. Right. You know what I mean? Jurassic World. That was massive. Which actually, uh, that opening just totally blew me away. I had no clue that that movie was going to open so huge. I knew it was going to be big, but yeah, it was a, it was a long awaited as well. Mm-hmm. It was the the franchise was well received to begin with, yeah. So it was something to look forward to, but yeah, it was. I didn't think it would be that big either, nor that it was going to be broken so soon. I mean, you know, it was earlier this year. In just its first day of release, Force Awakens brought in one hundred nineteen point one million dollars one day, setting a new record for the largest Friday opening day and single day on its own. That opening day was also enough to break the previous December opening weekend record. Record of 84.62 million set by The Hobbit, an unexpected journey back in 2012. Additionally, check this out. The film now holds the following domestic records. Largest Thursday previews, largest Friday opening day, single day, 119.1 million. Uh, largest Sunday beating Jurassic World's 57.2 million with 60.5. Domestic opening weekend, like we mentioned before, 247.9 over the Jurassic World 208.8. Worldwide opening weekend in 4,134 theaters, $529 million, edging out Jurassic World by a little over $5 million on the um, worldwide opening weekend. Highest per theater average for a wide opening movie, $59,982, also beating out Jurassic World, which is a little under $49,000. Top opening for a PG-13 rated film, top holiday opening weekend, beating The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, by almost a hundred million dollars. Wow! Yeah, the record was one hundred fifty-eight. Biggest weekend overall, top twelve gross, three hundred and five point five, beating the previous record was in June of twenty fifteen with two sixty-six. Biggest December weekend, December single day, beating that one. Believe it or not, thirty-seven point one three to one hundred and nineteen point one. Widest December opening again, the uh, forty-one thirty-four theaters. The uh, widest before was forty forty-five. December opening weekend, again, we already mentioned that one. Fastest to $100 million one day. Now they're going to have to start counting it in hours. Yeah, yeah. Previous record record was two days, Jurassic World. Global IMAX opening record, $48 million beating Jurassic World again. And the domestic IMAX opening record, again, by 50% beating out Jurassic World. The Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2 record included midnight-only screenings, while Force Awakens uh, had some screenings starting at 7 p.m. on Thursday, and included the Star Wars marathon ticket sales. Tickets were sold for as much as $59.99 each. So there's some skewing in regards to that part of the record. So Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows actually still has a pretty significant grip on that portion, or those portions of the record that it was beaten out by uh, Star Wars. An interesting thing, though, uh, Alex, whom we did the podcast previously with on Star Wars, told me that originally they had 7 p.m. show and a 9 p.m. show. Then they added an 8 p.m. show. So imagine you're a person who didn't get the 7 p.m. show but had to settle for the 9 p.m. show and wound up getting crappy tickets or whatever, front row, and then they open an 8 p.m. after the fact. That kind of sucks. Yeah, it does. 
And he probably went out and bought a second set of tickets. Yeah. He, well, I, I want to thank Alex, by the way. He invited me. He had an extra ticket on a Friday 420 showing that I got to see it. And, and nice. I, it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. We'll talk about the movie just a bit. Domestically, it did fall short of one record. The largest Saturday number still held by Jurassic World, 69.6 million. However, does anyone think it, it didn't top the Monday record? Well, yeah, it, uh, it took that one as well. Let me get that story over here. The Monday record was was set at $27.6 million, set by Spider-Man 2. Well, Star Wars took in another $40.1 million on Monday as it surpassed $610 million worldwide. (laughs) Now the fastest film to hit $250 million domestically as that and the other records continue to line up just so they can be knocked down. So, I mean, just crazy, crazy, crazy uh, going on. It had a 33.76% Monday drop. Compared to 49.4 for Deathly Hallows Part 2. The biggest record, of course, that it still has to go, the current domestic and worldwide record holder, Avatar, which even beat Titanic, which we thought was untouchable. Right, right. So will it get anywhere near that? We'll see. I mean, it's um, there's a little talk about it. It says, 2009 was the last time a Christmas fell on a Friday. That year, Avatar heading on to the Christmas weekend had the exact same drop on its first Monday. Should the trend continue, and there's little reason it shouldn't, Star Wars would top $300 million by the end of today, $400 million by the midnight on Friday, $500 million by Saturday evening, may close out Sunday at about $580 million if the trend continues. Wow, $100 million a day. $580 million. There are, of course, some things concerning these numbers, and Tuesday's gross will obviously tell us a lot more about how the film is playing. Should they hold relatively even all week? And they are definitely looking at an Avatar-type scenario. That said, looking toward the weekend, Avatar comparison would result in a second weekend of $185 million for The Force Awakens, which is really, really huge. So we'll see. I mean, depending on how big it drops... I honestly have my doubts that it'll get up there, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because Star Wars, uh, while it is a really good movie, it's also carrying on, it has its its baggage. Avatar was completely brand new. Right. So there was people that were seeing this brand new, fantastical world for the first time. I loved it, man. Oh, I yeah. was transported when I saw Avatar. So Star Wars, it's a familiar world. You know and, what I mean? And yeah, and yeah, it's a certain taste, too. Yeah. Because you have to have that, um, not, you don't have to be a, have, See the prior or whatever, yeah. films, yeah. But it a lot of us it helped draw us in because we've seen the, the ones before, mm-hmm. um, and some people might be turned off because they haven't seen the ones before, right? And say, ah, well, it stand alone, and it does. It, it, I mean, you do have to have some familiarity with uh, with characters, obviously, because they do bring in the characters of the previous trilogy to some extent, some more than others, as you saw in, in the trailers. And I don't really want to get into any spoilers or anything like that. But uh, in and of itself, it's a really good movie in, in so far as the effects were fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of practical effects, not a lot of CGI. The acting I really enjoyed. I, I enjoyed Ray. I enjoyed Finn. Their uh, characters were, were built nicely. They, the actors played it off well. Poe Dameron, that we were talking about, right. the quote-unquote new Han Solo, he came across likable, a likable character, you know, the kind of fun, you know, guy you could hang around type vibe. Right, right. You know, so that that was cool. Um, the villains as well, the ones that you know of, like uh, Kylo Ren, General Hux, you know, they're, they're good actors as well. The story overall uh, was satisfying to me as a fan, and uh, I have experience with the other six films as well. So overall, I really, really did enjoy the movie. Were, were there th- some things lacking? Well, there's always going to be a want. You, know, you wanted more of this, you wanted more of that, you know? That's the uh, personal preference. Right. I think that the uh, the prior experiences that you have only give you a certain, uh, a different feeling when you see that character come on the sta- on the on the film. You go, hey, right. you know. That guy. Yeah, it's like that fam- familiarity with it or, mm-hmm. or whatever warm, fuzzy feeling you get or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it was cool. It, it's like you said from the trailers early on, it, it was, it's what drew me in and gave me goosebumps. You know? mm-hmm. Especially, I think, John Williams' score. I mean, it's just such an iconic score. And, and to those of us that grew up with the original movies, even if we weren't big, deep fans, it was part of our pop culture upbringing. So it, was, it, it wasn't anything like you had to be a, a, a geek to like Star Wars. No, it was pervasive. It was everywhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, whole, all, the whole toy phenomenon, character action figures and all that was, was huge with the original Star Wars. It's in so. the lexicon. People, yeah. people still, you know, doing like that, I'm crushing your head thing was 
from the force, you know, where right. <laughs> exactly. Darth Vader would control you or whatever. The lightsaber sounds. I mean, mm-hmm. that's been being made since uh, 1977. For right. Even Ewan McGregor, when he was doing Obi-Wan in the uh, prequel trilogy, he's, don't worry, you don't have to make the sound with your mouth. We'll <laughs> add it in, in post. So, I mean, it's again, it's part of pop cultures, I'm sure, worldwide, not just in America, but I think more so in, in America because it was a homegrown film and, and proud, right? We should be proud of it, rightly so. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think it's continuing the, the legacy well. And it's funny because after the movie finished, uh, Alex grabs his phone and he shows me, he goes, check this out. It says, only 524 more days till episode eight. I'm like, oh, come on, dude. Really? You had to, you had to add that one on there. You know, so that was, uh, or something like that. I, I don't know if that was the exact date, but, uh, uh, in other movie news, uh, there were other films in theaters this weekend, by the way. Scoring a second-place position, Fox's Alvin and Chipmunks, The Road Chip, brought in $14.2 million. Uh, Sisters, with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, came in third with $13.9 million. Um, in fifth position, Creed came in, another $5 million, so that one's doing well. The one that we were going to talk about mainly last week, because it didn't do that well, was In the Heart of the Sea, with Ron Howard's uh, directing it, and Chris Hemsworth, uh, Hemsworth, Thor. Terrible time, you know, it had a bad weekend last weekend, and it sank 69% this weekend wow. for $3.4 million total. It now stands at $18 million. Wow. Total. Wow. And that was less than, you know... Uh, portion of a day of star wars and this is a big time director a a big time star as far as we can tell but it's more more or less the same position the previous film rush was in after two weeks of wide release not to be overlooked there were a couple of bollywood films that took advantage of a prime opportunity to counter program uh they did actually uh ninth and tenth place so a couple films from bollywood actually doing well uh in the shadow of star wars the uh force awakens so Moving on to a couple of other movie news, unless you want to add anything to the Star Wars Force Awakens discussion. No, just just that overall the the numbers are seem uh, uh, weak for n- normal showings. Mm-hmm. You know, eighteen and nineteen million, and and that's sad to say that it sounds like nineteen million dollars is nothing. Yeah, just nineteen million dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, just fourteen million dollars because you're comparing it to a mega mega blockbuster. Right, and it's you know it's not fair. No, it's <laughs> not. Opening up this weekend, we've got uh, Joy. With uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Robert De Niro. Spoiler alert, it's about a mop. <laughs> uh, the Danish Girl with Eddie Redmayne, who's going to be in the new Wizarding World movie from J.K. Rowling. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. He plays a Newt Scamander, I think is his name. Point Break is also opening up uh, here soon, or this weekend. Daddy's Home with uh, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. And the controversial to some people concussion with Will Smith. The, yeah. uh, about the NFL uh, players getting concussions and the doctor that brought brought about some change, if I'm not mistaken. Right. They, he really uh, focused the attention on it. And and he's, like he's saying, we're not vilifying the NFL or or doing any, any such thing. It's just showing the importance of the studies that he did mm-hmm. and the effects on the players themselves. And, and, and really, there's a lot that has been done already to help prevent some of that. You see guys carted off the field and yeah. walked off the field. If they're a little loopy, boom, you're yeah. out, and they do the concussion procedures, and that's it. I mean, how many, how many traumas can your brain take? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Ask Troy Aikman. I mean, he had some big issues near the end of his career. Yeah. And, um, then, and then you have the, the, the small things like tinnitus and, yep. and headaches and stuff like that. And then the worst things were like the guys that committed suicide and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that because they had really, really deep brain damage. damage. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple other movies that uh, are gonna be also going to be opening up and one that we mentioned before, The Big Short. The four outsiders in the world of high finance who predicted the credit and housing bubble collapse of the mid-2000s decided to take on the big banks for their lack of foresight and greed. Nothing funny about the 2008 collapse of the American mortgage market for which nobody has gone to jail yet, if I'm right. not mistaken. right. But in the hands of uh, director Adam McKay, who also did Anchorman, it's the foundation of a dark, smart comedy. An all-star cast, including Ryan Gosling, Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Brad Pitt, portray the uh, real-life Chicken Littles, who realized that the crisis actually was coming and figured out how to use it to make themselves rich, and I want to say super rich. First, it'll make you laugh, then it'll make you angry. Carell's insane toupee alone is worth the price of admission. (laughs) It looks, it looks funny. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's I, like I mentioned before, man, it's going to be one of those movies that uh, it's probably going to entertain, but it's probably going to piss you off. 
Yeah, as well it should because, like you said, nobody has gone to jail. There's no reason for it except that uh, politicians are in in in, in, in the bank's pockets. pockets. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only reason, right? And you heard it here first. Yes, because <laughs> <laughs> nobody will ever say that, right? Uh, also, in limited release, the Hateful Eight, the new, uh, the eighth film of uh, director Quentin Tarantino in post Civil War Wyoming. Bounty hunters try to find shelter during a blizzard, but get involved in a plot of betrayal and deception. Will they survive? It stars many of Quentin Tarantino's go-to people like Kurt Russell, Sam Jackson, etc. Quentin Tarantino filmed this movie in 70mm, so it's going to look phenomenal if you can see it in 70mm. Right. You know, am I going to have to wait to watch it on uh, on Netflix uh, 80 years later like it did around (laughs) the world in 80 days? Greeting the movie's initials release, our standard review celebrating the movie's humor, acknowledging, of course, its ultraviolence, so look for box office returns to fall somewhere between the totals of Inglorious Bastards, which I really enjoyed, I and Django too. Unchained, which I enjoyed as well, and continue to talk about the revival of actual on-film filmmaking and actual real film projectors, because right now there's a huge shift to digital, uh, not only digital movie making, but also digital projection, because it's so much easier. It's literally a hard drive, and right. it's a click, ready to go. So it, it, it simplifies. Plug, plug and play. <clears throat> exactly. 70 millimeter, you've got these huge, massive rolls of film, especially 70 millimeter. 70 millimeter. Yeah, I remember that, that familiar clicking and the that faint clicking in the background. Yeah, we used to go watch movies as kids. Mm-hmm. Also in limited release, the uh, new uh, Leo DiCaprio movie, The Revenant, which also stars uh, Tom Hardy and directed by Oscar winner Alejandro González. Iñarritu, more than worthy of its place on countless top ten lists this year, is his brutal and naturalistic follow-up to Birdman, which you might wind up watching with your hands, mostly covering your eyes, after the Leo versus Bear scene that everyone is talking about. <laughs> the film is convincing in so many ways, namely reinforcing our opinion that Tom Hardy should mainly play bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, And I like Tom, Tom Hardy. He's, yeah. a, he's been a very versatile actor. I, I do want to see Legend. I haven't had the opportunity to see it, obviously. I haven't seen, gotten a chance to see too many movies uh, as of late. But, um, you know, it, I, I, he's one of those guys that you're like, first, you don't know who the guy is. And all of a sudden, he starts coming out in more and more and more films. Right, right. And then, you, hey, that was that guy in that film. I'm, I'm, tar- I'm horrible with names. Sure. And then, and then I, I recognize somebody and then go back in my key brain and say, hey, that was that guy in that film. Yeah. And, and for example, like with, for me, it was uh, this actor right here. And I'm looking it up because I can't remember his name. And I'm still looking for it. Leo to... DiCaprio? Oh. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> Carl Urban, the guy who played Dread, he plays Bones in the new Star Trek. Oh, okay. Uh, and I was like, Carl Urban, Carl, it sounds like a wrestler. But I think I was thinking of somebody else. And then I started to see, oh, that's Carl Urban. You're you thinking know? of Tony. Tony Our Urban? Friend, yeah. yeah, no, it doesn't look anything <laughs> like a wrestler. <laughs> Nothing at all. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, those guys that after a while you start seeing them and you, and you okay, hey, this guy's, this guy's good. Like I remember when I first heard uh, Sandra Bullock talking about Ryan Gosling. Because uh-huh. she was in a film with him, and she was, like, effusive about him. Right. How great he was, and now look at him. He's doing great work. Really, really good work, yeah. And he brought us The Notebook, which is the best chick flick for guys around ever. <laughs> guys, if you haven't seen The Notebook, get a girlfriend just to watch The Notebook. <laughs> <laughs> and bring clean eggs for her. And for you. Uh, movies in the... Uh, <laughs> also, other... Oh, we were talking about Will Smith earlier. Uh, there's a story from therap.com. Fans of Independence Day can learn what happened to his character, Stephen Hiller, long before Independence Day resurgence hits theaters. Again, this is a little old news because it's what I had gotten for last week. <laughs> uh, the uh, War of 1996, a new viral marketing site for the upcoming sequel, provides a detailed timeline of what happened on Earth after the attempted alien invasion in the first film. In an entry dated April 27, 2007, we, heard, we learn that Hiller died while testing a new piece of alien technology, which humans have adapted as part of a new global defense network. Vivica A. Fox is returning to play Jasmine, while Jesse Usher will portray his son Dylan. Director Roland Emmerich revealed earlier this year why Smith would not be returning. In the very beginning, I wanted to work with him and he was excited to be in it, but then after a while he was tired of sequels. He did another science fiction film, which is After Earth. So he opted out. Several stars of the original film will return for the sequel, including Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, and Judd Hirsch. New stars include Liam Hemsworth, uh, Michael Monroe, and Joey King. It comes out on June 24th of 2016. The writer had actually written two versions, one with him and one without. Oh, wow. So once he opted out, they're like, okay, <laughs> we're going. We'll move, move this, this way. way. Yeah. yeah, speaking of sequels, from flickeringmyth.com, Vin Diesel's Xander Cage will soon be returning to the big screen in the upcoming third installment of the Triple X series titled Triple X 
return of Xander Cage. But a recent post of the actor's Facebook account confirms that another actor is set to reprise his role as well. Uh, he sent out a picture with a caption that read, Excited to work with Sam again. His portrayal of Givens was so good, timeless, welcome to the Xander Zone. Sam Jackson played NSA agent Augustus Gibbons in both 2002's Triple X and 2005's Triple X State of the Union, which didn't star Diesel. It was Ice Cube in kind of an odd role as a yeah. as a super spy. And Diesel's post makes it clear that Sam Jackson will return. Diesel also recently made two other interesting announcements on his Instagram account regarding regarding the film. The first of which is that UFC featherweight champion Conor McGregor, who defeated opponent Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. <laughs> did you, did you that watch that one? That was crazy, yeah. He's going to be appear- appearing in Return of Xander Cage in nice. an unspecified role, hopefully fighting somebody. Yeah. <laughs> the actor shared a picture of him with a fighter and attached a caption. He said, Timing and precision. The casting of new Triple X gets more exciting every day. Hashtag, I live for this shit. <laughs> so what I like about Vin Diesel is that he's excitable. Yeah. He gets excited about stuff and like like he really wanted to do the, the final Riddick movie. It was his passion project. He got it done, you know, yeah. uh, whether you like it or not. I mean, he's a guy that gets, he's getting things done. He, like him and The Rock, man. Yeah, I was going to say. So it, it's fun to watch him on, on the Furious movies, Fast and Furious movies. When, uh, when uh, um, The Rock came onto the franchise, was in part five, I think. It just, man, it just, it got me interested again. In the series, because I saw the first couple ones and I'm like, eh. I didn't watch Tokyo Drift, you know, stuff like that, until The Rock uh, joined on, and that's when I came back into watching the franchise again. Uh, and yeah, The Rock is, uh, like you said, he's he's very he's very excitable. He he conveys that to you, and he kind of he kind of makes you you know draws you in. Yeah, I like like that uh, football series he does. Ballers, Ballers is a good one, man. Is it? I, I like it. it. Really, I like it. I really do. Uh, speaking of, P- of guys you like, I've got a short piece on television. Kiefer Sutherland is returning to television. The 24 alum will star in Designated Survivor, a political conspiracy thriller for ABC in which he will play the President of the United oh, States. Nice. Sutherland will also serve as executive producer. That's all I'm going to say about that because I know you're not a big <laughs> Keith, Keith, Kiefer Sutherland fan. What's 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 your uh, deal with Kiefer? I don't know. It, it, it just... I want to punch him in you the know, face. Yes, I, I think uh, it, it goes back all the way to where he played that vampire <laughs> in Lost Boys. <laughs> that far back? That far back. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it just I don't know something about him just rubs me wrong. You like your vampire sparkly? No, no, oh, definitely okay. not. I thought you were. I'm more I'm more of the Bella Lugosi. Yeah, <laughs> that dude. Yeah, Team Bella. Yeah, but with one L. Yes. All right, hey, uh, music news from the NewYorkTimes.com. I don't know if you caught this. The announcement was made. Cheap Trick, NWA, Chicago, Steve Miller, and Deep Purple will join the pantheon of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at its 31st induction ceremony at Barclays Center in Brooklyn on April the 8th. Nice. The Hall of Fame's voters mostly played it safe with 1970s rock standbys, even though several of them, Cheap Trick, Chicago, and Mr. Miller, were being nominated for the first time. Among those who did not make the cut this year are Chic, which has now been turned down for a record 10th time. Wow. The alternative rock heroes Nine Inch Nails and The Smiths also didn't make the cut. And Janet Jackson, whose first-time nomination had its own Facebook support group. The other rejected nominees this year are Shaka Khan, the JBs, one of James Brown's classic backing bands, Los Lobos, the Spinners, and Yes, the progressive rock stars whose absence from the hall has long rankled fans. How is Yes not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I, that's that's weird. That's uh, that's like I'm not a humongous Yes no, fan, no, but no, you've no, got but... to acknowledge the yeah. fact, you know. Yeah, when they were out there, they were very progressive. Like they, they were very different. They were very good, and they should be in there. Wow. Damn man. it, let's start a... Petition. That's it, man. Say yes to yes. <laughs> <laughs> the music world has been closely watching the results of the secretive rock hall process after the organization this year dismissed a large contingent of its influential nominating committee and, according to reports, made an effort to expand its membership with younger voters and more women. Aw, oh, man, it's not all old white guys anymore. Uh. Dang it! But that process has yet to yield any radical changes. NWA, the pioneering gangster rap group, is the only is only the fifth hip hop act to join the Rock Hall after, of course, Grandmaster Flash, Run DMC, the Beastie Boys, and Public Enemy. The group has been on the ballot three times before. 
This year, they were the subject of a hit biopic, Straight Outta Compton, grossing over $160 million at the box office, considered a contender in the film award season. The inducted members of Deep Purple, the British band that helped define the sludgy musical language of heavy metal, include most of those from its classic period from the late 60s to mid-70s, Richie Blackmore, Ian Gillen, John Lord, Roger Glover, Ian Pace, Rod Evans, Glenn Hughes, and David Coverdale, but it does not include Nit Simper, the band's founding bassist, or Tommy Bolin, who played guitar on only one studio album back in 1975. Performers, of course, become eligible for nomination 25 years after the release of their first record, and nominees are voted on by a pool of more than 800 critics, executives, music experts, and past winners. As it has for the last several years, Rock Hall counted one fan's ballot, among the others, with artists chosen by members of the general public. The ceremony in Brooklyn, where the awards were last held in 2014, will be taped by HBO and broadcast later this spring. So Cool. Um, got some good names on there. Yeah, know, yeah. For what Cheap it Trick, is. Cheap Trick, we've met. That was kind of cool, man. Cool, Getting yeah. to meet somebody like like Cheap Trick and, and seeing that. It, it amazes me. These long-term guys, guys have been doing it for a long time, that they still have the chops, man. Where it shows you that there's guys who gig, and there's professionals. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these guys are like, like I told you when I saw that uh, uh, Arnett Pineda uh, documentary, uh, Don't Stop Believing, the lead singer for Journey. And you see those guys, you're like, yeah, this is this is it. I mean, this is, they're not going to wind up going working at, you know, Chipotle or whatever later. <laughs> this is their deal. This is what they were made to be. Right. And that, what surprised me the most about them, having, you, you dealt with a lot of artists in the radio station, having never dealt with artists before when we were getting uh, ready to do the jam for George, mm-hmm. dealing with the people representing them mm-hmm. or, you know, pawning them off on you. Yeah. They make it sound like these guys are, don't approach them, don't look at them, don't yeah. talk to them, don't da, 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 da. They're gods. <laughs> yes. We had a delay in one of the shows, and so you're already like, "Oh man, these yeah. guys are going to be a holes about it because because that's what of weather." The yeah, told that's me. what they don't look at them, don't talk to them, don't bring anything for them to sign. God forbid. Yeah, so we're standing there, and I go into where they're counting money, and there's this guy standing there. Hey, who's that? Um, that's just the guitar player for that's uh, Rick Nielsen. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's there chatting away with the with the older women who were doing all the yeah. uh, counting. A mom and and yeah. a, a couple of friends' moms were there helping us count money. It was hilarious. The guy was chatting away. They were clueless. Sure, he didn't mind. You know, he probably preferred it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, at the end of the at the end of everything, you know, he's like, uh, the guys, all of them are like, well, can we sign something? Do we want to take pictures? Uh, yeah, I'm glad I got my picture taken with him. That yeah. was awesome. <laughs> You know, and they're like, uh, yeah, this is one of the guys who brought you down. Like, oh, good to meet you. And like, I have nothing. I have nothing, nothing to sign. Picture? Nothing. Can we get a picture? <laughs> Could have brought my guitar or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I hate that, man. You know, it's like the uh, and and it's usually the case. We talked about it before because you have people that are not the artists, are not the person that people are consider celebrity. But they're in a position of power within that celebrity's world. So they make themselves up to be like gatekeeper. Oh, you have to go through me type thing. So it's a, it's a, it's a level of self-importance that, uh, you know. We saw that with that, that comedian. That, uh, what was the uh, comedian came down to bought shots for everybody at a bar? Oh, Kevin Hart. Uh, Kevin Hart. Yeah. Somebody walking out in front of him like. Holding the crowd back with nobody was and no and, 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 no, and Laredo, yeah nobody's getting rushed. Like, hey, that's Kevin Hart, or maybe it was like, hey Kevin. I, I honestly think that's about the extent of it, what anybody would do here. Hey Kevin, can I take a picture? Literally, yeah. They're not gonna rush him. They're not gonna you know crowd him. And you know, I think for the most part, we in Laredo um, respect other people's space. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've seen some other. I think it. I, get, I think it depends on the um, type of music. You know. Right, right, the, the the medium, because there's some exactly. others that are like, ooh, you know, it's it's like frenzied. Yeah, but those same artists elsewhere would not get that level of, <laughs> right. you know, like uh, uh, adulation, let's just say. Yeah. You know, that's why you keep seeing them brought year after year after year for the same February event. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, during an interview with Metallica's fan club magazine called So What? The band's frontman, James Hetfield, was asked... If bassist Robert Trujillo doing his projects and guitarist Kirk Hammett pursuing his horror-related ventures has given him more fortitude to develop some projects like that for himself, he responded in true James Hetfield fashion. That's a great question, because for me, it's always been, if anyone does something else, 
It waters down the potency of Metallica. That's always been the thought around it. But I guess if they do it, it's okay. But if I do it, it's not. Because I'm the front man, or Lars is the drummer. We're the founders. We can't do that kind of stuff. Asked if he, feel, if he still feels that way, he responded. I think it's always been like that, and I still feel that way a little bit. And I think Metallica, for Lars and myself, I'll speak mainly for me, but I know he feels the same way. Metallica is our side project, too. It's our main project. It's our side project. It's our 24-7 project. It doesn't mean that I don't want to try other things like voiceover work or book, photography, art, cars, you name it. I wanted to add to me, not subtract from Metallica. He continued, before I might have come to the table with a negative attitude about side projects, you're doing that, which means you're not into this band as much as I am or Lars is. I'm tired of that feeling and I'm tired of that resentment. At the end of the day, I know Lars and I are the guides of this. We steer Metallica most of the time and the other two guys are very happy that that is the way it is. And we're all equal. We're all contributing in our way. But I think Lars and I are very comfortable being the spearheads of it. And we are in a great spot right now because everyone knows the band is prioritized above everything. But everyone also feels free to explore other things. Now I want to give you another story to add to that one. I also found the story, speaking of, uh, with former Metallica bassist Jason Newsted, uh-huh. right? Uh, he said in a 2014 interview that he left the band 15 years ago over the way his then side band Echo Brain, this was his side project, was handled. This is what he said. He said, the management of Metallica was very, very excited about Echo Brain. They wanted to take it out for me, wanted me to do Echo Brain also with Metallica. They felt Echo Brain was that good, the singer was that good, and it didn't affect Metallica because it was a totally different kind of thing. And I was in Metallica, that would give it its pedigree already. They told me pretty convincingly, it's a great record, been playing it around the office, that's all I've been hearing, it's fantastic, kid has a great voice, let's do something with it. That's what they told me. And then James heard about it and wasn't happy. He was, I think, pretty much out to put the kibosh on the whole thing because it would somehow affect Metallica in his eyes because now the managers were interested in something I was doing that had nothing to do with him. Newstead told the Pulse of Radio a while back that he never saw how Echo Brain could have interfered with Metallica. He said, I never felt that it was going to affect Metallica in any way. There's no way that it could. The monster and the integrity and the legend that Metallica's built would take a lot more than that to ever affect it. The people that I had counted on for 15 years to help me with my career, help Metallica, take care of my money, do all those things, told me... Your new project is fantastic. We'd like to help you with it. James heard about it. Manager calls me back a couple days later. Sorry, we're not going to be able to help you with that echo brain thing. Yeah, it's a really D-bag of, of, of uh, James. And, you know, that's another guy I don't like. <laughs> James Hetfield? Yeah. I, I've always gotten the... Uh, and Lars. I've always gotten the, the uh, dickish vibe from, yeah. from both of them, and... You know, don't don't get it wrong. I, I like Metallica. I've liked them for, for decades, you know, and they put out some great stuff. They put on some terrible stuff, just like anybody else, you know. But when they did that to Jason, it sucks, man, because like you said, it's Metallica was not going to change because he was in another band. Look at Slipknot. Yeah. How many guys have side projects off right. of that? They're very successful. Yeah, Stone Sour. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and they're still going strong. It's a, it's a great outlet. And here you have uh, James and Lars going to... Well, you know, we're gonna have to do this behind the scenes thing where I'm going to the to the shrink because I just I just need space, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I, I don't know why I went to Clinton there, but yeah, me neither. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that when I saw that 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 uh, documentary or parts of it, yeah, cause I couldn't really stomach it. Right, well, like when Lars was like uh, out selling art, mm-hmm. you know, he went to an auction and he auctioned off some art and all that. And it's funny because there were it was kind of a juxtaposition because James is dealing with his alcoholism. And he was getting blitzed there at the auction of the of his art when he's making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. It's like, dude, you're just totally out of out of touch with pretty much anybody uh, outside of Metallica, really. Right, right. I mean, there's you know they're at that level where it's no longer our band as, as fans. It's it's now Metallica the corporation, you know. Right. And they still may put out you know great music, but then you have stuff like um, like their movie that didn't do that well, and they put a lot of money in that, but at least they're trying to do things like that. So I'll always have a respect for Metallica, but I'll, I'll always have that little a feeling of these guys are, are kind of dicks to like Kirk, man. He's always been kind of like that. Hey, like you said, get him out of the closet. Kirk, we need a solo. Yeah. <laughs> Wheel him out. Get him back in the closet. We got what we need. Yeah. Let the adults talk now. Yeah. And if you look at their, um, their net worths, I think, Lars and James are like way up there, and Kirk is doing well. I mean, he's a millionaire, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Robert was a millionaire as soon as he joined. They gave him a million dollar check and twenty five percent of Metallica. So, and don't get me wrong, Robert worked his ass off. I mean, he's oh yeah, yeah played yeah. bands, super talented guy, and I'm 
can't be happier for the guy for being as successful as he is. But yeah, you get that vibe. And I'm lucky he was, I'm glad he was able to do the, his pet project. He had his documentary up hmm. about a legendary bass player. I think it was Jocko or Jocko something. And uh, they were talking about it on Sirius XM with him. And so he got to do it. But it, 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 it brings back the whole Jason thing. Right. Where Jason could have had his band, could have had a success, and maybe we could have had Jason for a little bit longer in Metallica. Yeah. But everything happens for a reason. You wouldn't have uh, Robert then. Yeah, true, true, true. Uh, did you have it, or have you had a, uh, the opportunity to see the new uh, Adam Sandler Netflix movie, The Ridiculous Six? No, I have not. <laughs> do you like Adam Sandler? Uh, yes, I do. It's an Adam Sandler movie. It's a I mean, formula. Yeah, yeah. it's a, but it's funny because he's got a lot of uh, good actors on there. You got William Hurt. No, not William Hurt. Uh, damn it. Well, let's say the ones I'll remember. <laughs> Harvey Keitel's in it. Terry Crews is in it. Taylor Lautner comes out. And, of course, you have all his regulars come out as well. You know, you got David Spade. You got John Lovitz comes out. Vanilla Ice comes out. Wow. <laughs> I mean, just a, a huge, huge roster of, of people that he has in the movie. And for what it is, it's it's enjoyable. It's it's uh, it's directed well. It's a big-budget movie. But now it's Netflix saying, you know what? We've made so much money. Let's use some of that money for stuff that we don't have to pay anybody else for. You know, just like they've been doing with their TV shows. Now they're starting to do with movies. Yeah. So this one, I think, is one of the first or the first of his deal with them because he's got a yank to do with them for X of millions of dollars. And, uh, you know, this is the first one of it. It was Nick Nolte that I was trying to remember. And, it, you know, for what it is, it's very, it's funny, you know, it's it, it's well-directed, well-made. It's not a cheapy, cheapy movie. It's got a good budget. So I recommend check it out, especially since you're already paying for Netflix. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> you're already paying for it. <laughs> and that, that's, uh, that's high praise from you because I know that you're not a big fan of Adam Sandler. Not a lot of them. Because, Some, yeah. because they're so formulaic, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of sight gags and stuff like that. that Some about him turns you off. I think you say he's made some of them just for the cash. No, well, they're across. vacation movies. Uh, there you go. You know, it's like, well, where do you want to go on vacation? Hawaii. Let's write a movie in Hawaii. Yeah. Or get me a script with something in Hawaii. And get me Drew Barrymore on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's go to South Africa. Let's do a movie in South Africa. You know, I mean, that, that's the thing is, it's, it's probably just a little bit of a... Um, Jealousy, envy, because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, envy because he's in that position where he can do that, and, and, and it's awesome. You know, he gets to be Salma Hayek's uh, husband, husband. In yeah, the movie, so. you know, it's like, wouldn't you write yourself as Hell Salma yes. Hayek's husband? Yeah. So you know, he's got this uh, great Better opportunity, right? It's like take forty-five. I I, I didn't Dang quite it. get that. <laughs> you know, but uh, no, it's it's an enjoyable movie, and and uh, and I think I think you'll enjoy it. And, One more time. <laughs> <laughs> do we need a stunt? No, we do not. I do my own stunts when it comes to this. Anyway, anything else on your mind as we, uh, before before I add the main twist, the main twist to this uh, episode, do you have anything top of mind that you want to talk about? Uh, No, not really. Nothing at all? Personal? No, <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> but we haven't even touched on Steve Harvey, brother. Oh, yeah. Yes, Steve Harvey was hilarious. Poor guy. Oh, my goodness. What did, did you see the card that he had to read off of? Yes. That was really bad. That was horrible. Considering uh, the uh, level of uh, production that goes into one of these shows, the card may as well have been written in the back of a napkin with a... Crayon. A, a eyeliner or yeah. something, you know what I mean? It was, it was really ridiculous. bad. ridiculous. There was a, one guy put out there really very clearly marked, you know, this is what... now should have been. In hindsight, yes. Yeah. What it should have been. I, yeah, but crying out loud! You're millions of dollars in production, and then you give them this this little card. I, obviously, it's been done that way. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's Reed just did it for ages and ages. You know, but why, uh, you know, why do it if you don't need to? You right? know, I mean, yeah. do it right. Exactly. It doesn't take much. Exactly, with all that's going on up there, all the tension, all the drama, and of course they make you give it more drama by waiting and so forth. If you hold that thing a certain way, you just block off somebody's position or name or something. Mm -hmm. And apparently that's what happened. I mean, he might have covered where it said first runner-up, or I don't know. He did apologize to Colombians and Philippians. <laughs> Philippians, yeah. So at least you know, now here's the thing. I've been in situations like that, like that before, obviously nowhere near the level of Miss Universe, like I'll say with everything else that I've ever done in my life. But 
it even in a small crowd, even if you're in front of 25, 30 people, man, you got a pit in your stomach, man. You got a knot. Literally, you can feel a physical knot in your stomach going, oh, my gosh, I messed this up really bad. And uh, somebody dug up a clip of um, Alan Thicke doing it sometime back in 2007. I don't know what it was. He also missed. He announced the wrong winner. Wow. So it's not the first time. Right. Live TV. Yeah, it happens. A know? live production is very much different to, hey, let's uh, take two. Take yeah. 25. Right. You know? Like once I I, um, I gave, was it something we gave away? And it was a live thing. And the winner could not have been less excited. I was like, Hello, am I talking to David Copperfield again? <laughs> it was literally like zero. I'm like, I just want $1,000 or whatever. Right, thousand dollars. I don't know about you, but a thousand dollars is still a decent chunk of change. Oh yeah, you know, uh, I'm not at uh, the Lars and James level yet. You know what I mean? And uh, this guy was not like, even Roberts or right, not even anywhere near there. <clears throat> or the guy didn't make it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and just zero excitement. And you're like, oh my! But it's live. You, you we chose to do it live, and right. After that, I think we started recording everything. Record as live, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, uh, hey, you need to be a little more excited than this. Like, Please. literally, I would yeah. stop. Says, Otherwise, I'll just get another winner. I mean, we do that on, on radio sometimes. Like, hey, we need, we're giving you, whether it's money, concert tickets, surprise, or whatever, do us a favor of at least, you know. Feigning excitement. Fake it. Yeah. You know? And then we'd get a little more excited. Don't get me wrong, there's some awesome winners. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic, you know, going crazy and yelling and all that. But, uh, yeah, some are really, It's only really a bumper terrible. sticker, but great. Right, yeah. but it's got a coupon in the back for <laughs> Redline Burger. Awesome burgers. Yeah, that's what everybody remembers, but I don't think no, they remember correctly. Yeah, they were all right. They were okay burgers, but no, man. You for tell price, somebody about dude. it, tell somebody about it, they're like, oh, oh yeah. They're the best that's burgers they closed down. down. No, but, it, yeah, it's, come on. Anyway. They're 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 a good uh, a good uh, cheap burger. Cheap burger, yeah. That was you, uh, quick. Yeah, let me tell you about uh, Marcel's philosophy towards uh, uh, doing business at, at Redline Burgers. Like, can you get me what price are you going to give me on the on, on Coke? Well, he's giving me this price on Pepsi. Okay, I'm going to go with Pepsi. Like, you didn't know what you were going to get at any given month because he <laughs> would whatever whoever would give him the best price. Oh, we have curly fries this month because they were cheaper than the, the regular price. <laughs> and then next month, they're back to regular Special fries. Special this month, curly fries. Exactly. Just make it exciting. Great guy. Yeah, great guy <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, a good friend. May he rest in peace. But, uh, you know, that's how he did it, man. He's like, who's going to give me the better price? So there was some consistency, but there was other stuff that was a variable. And you always had the purple onion. That's yeah, all I'm saying. of course. Saying. Purple onion and the burger was always the same. But you never knew if you were going to get... You know, Coke, Pepsi, RC, Shasta, or you know, <laughs> Red Barrel, or what? I don't know. I'm just making up stories now. <laughs> so the big twist of the show, big huge twist of the show. Merry Christmas! It's a Christmas oh, show. Oh, it is. But Merry since, Christmas! But since I didn't have any Christmas type uh, entertainment news or music that I could play because I don't want to pay for a license, uh, we <laughs> I thought I'd save it till the very end to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, 2015. Merry Christmas. So, uh, what? what uh, how's your Christmas going so far? Great, man. I, I got everything I wanted. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, because I didn't want for much. That's good. Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, I, I asked for socks. I got some. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, I got a, a warm family gathering at my sister, our sister's house. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. I mean, yes. It was really yes, it was it was very warm. Um, the AC was out. <laughs> and uh, we're, in so, South <laughs> we're in South Texas or New York. You yeah. know, you don't know. Never know. It's hot either way. Uh, Thailand, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, I gave out the best fruit baskets. Really? Yes. I mean, yes. No, you gave the best fruit baskets around, man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Made with all with all delicious. Care. Yeah. And uh, I, I always enjoy the uh, the assortment of, of fruit that you provide. Yeah, well, you know, da, 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 da. I'm not going to say anywhere I get my fruit, but they do a good job. Hey, they always hey. stay up late. They, All that matters. They even waited late for me last year. That's nice. They were and like, probably this year, too. And they were like, uh, Oye, no venido de los baskets. ¿Qué onda? He makes up 25% of our sales <laughs> for December. ¿Dónde está? Let's no, really cool. him a call. And then I went, I went out, I went out there, and there were they had changed locations. Oh man, how am I going to find you? You changed locations. <laughs> Where are you? We're just down the street, sir, oh. on the right side. Okay, I'm on. They're my... waving at you in the back. Hey, over hey, here, over dummy. Here. 
Look at the smiling man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I, my wife asked me, it's like, oh, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, I don't want anything. There's really nothing that I want, you know? I'm at that age where it's like, I, I think I'm going to start going like, yeah, it's socks. Comfortable socks. Yeah. So don't don't uh, constrict my uh, calves. <laughs> yeah. Because I have thick, big, muscular, muscular calves. Muscular. They're just beautiful. It's a trait. Beautiful calves. Anyway, uh, so, you know, I, she asked me what I want. I was like, I don't know. I, I buy the knives I like. If they're affordable, you know, they're not too expensive. And uh, there's really nothing else because I pretty much take care of everything. Give me some love coupons. Yeah, give them love coupons. And then she gave me some love coupons. I was like, I wanted to redeem this. And she's like, did you read the fine print? <laughs> no, I mean, I you love to, go to talk read to your brother. so everybody, everybody leaves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love to listen to some loud music in my own house. Oh, yeah, man. Like <laughs> go like to the movies. The, like in the room I'm in right now, man. I started, I finally started. I've had this room for almost uh, three years now. And I finally brought in the desk. I got my speakers up. I, uh, I, I'm thinking about putting a TV there, maybe bringing up my PS3 or something, or uh, uh, set up a little uh, entertainment center with a, a DVD slash Blu-ray DVD slash player, maybe even a VHS player, because I have stuff on VHS. Uh-huh. Probably Kung Fu Bonk. movies and wow. stuff like that. Also, and, uh, you know, maybe do that up here as well. But then I'd need curtains for that. Um <laughs> And uh, I'm also looking at hopefully getting some uh, uh, soundproofing in here. Because oh, obviously, good. as you listen to the Small Hours podcast, there's some echo in the background. A little yeah, bit. A little bit. And uh, if we can get the uh, same feeling of a ceiling fan without the noise of a ceiling fan, that'd be great. <laughs> but we're not. Anyway, it's a low budget thing. Hey, we have fun. I hope we y'all have fun. Yeah, and I hope you've been enjoying the show. Episode number 16, pretty much over and done with in the books and uh, getting ready to wrap up the year. Next episode, episode number 17, is literally going to be a new year. It wow. will be airing on January the 1st, if if it holds. Because I work tomorrow because we're recording on Tuesday today. I work Wednesday, then I'm off from Thursday to the end of the year. I'm not sure if I'm going to be sober enough to record another episode of Small House. <laughs> hey, we could do a drunk one. Yeah, we could do that one as well. You know who I'd really like to invite on one of the uh, upcoming podcasts, and I haven't had the opportunity because he's doing a great job with his own Sammy the House. Man, have you gotten a chance to listen to his episodes? He's mm-hmm. on uh, Sammy the House. Look for Sammy the House at SoundCloud.com. Some are long. Some are 40-plus minutes. Some are 16 minutes long. You know, he has great conversations with people. He's a he's a very genial guy, you know? Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. He does great. Uh, he has fun doing interviews. He was at the premiere of uh, Star Wars. I've been Diablo. meaning to listen to that one, but I haven't had the opportunity. I, I mean, I have them on my uh, list of, of uh, podcasts, mm-hmm. and I just haven't had the opportunity to listen to them. And he'll post, uh, if, you, if, you, if you're a friend of his on Facebook, he'll post when his new podcasts come out, usually. And uh, so you can check him out. Again, Sammy the House, look for him on SoundCloud.com and uh, another local podcast here in radio. There's there's a few here. There's quite a few. And um, I've listened to a couple. Some are good. Some are, believe it or not, not as good. As as the lowest bar that we're setting here on the Smallhouse <laughs> podcast, I'm like, how is that possible, guys? Come on! Hey, you had how many years of radio? Come on, you. <laughs> yeah. I you, guess you carry this. I guess I, I lift it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the wind beneath the small hours wings. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, parting thoughts before we wrap up the Christmas episode of the Small Hours podcast, episode well, number sixteen. Yeah, for the new year, there's two big changes coming to me, and I'll I'll, I'll see how we introduce those two changes mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. I don't want to dwell on anything because sure. it's not what this show's about. But uh, there's two big big changes coming my way. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, both of them will be positive. Excellent. And uh, look forward to doing many more of these, and you know, uh, finally getting this going that as you did, and 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 me being able to come over here and participate is just. Uh, a little respite from the little from all the same old same old same old same old of of everyday life yeah because i'd like to say that i'm horribly busy but my job is kind of uh at the point where i i you know it's it's pretty uh just maintenance maintenance on everything yeah just keep keep on top of things and don't let them get out of hand so thank goodness you know uh we have this opportunity to talk about stuff whatever yeah, off the top of our heads. So you know, the worst part about the show is, mm. aside from us, <laughs> is uh, when we remember stuff after the show is over. Like, oh, we did talk about. Oh, oh well, I'm not going to go back and record another little section <laughs> just to add to the show. It's bad enough. I don't know if you understand the. Uh, for those of you listening, I think there's eight of you uh, who listen to this, the Small Hours podcast. There's hours and hours and hours that goes into creating the show. Oh. Preparation. Yeah, the the actual collection of stuff. I know sometimes it seems like we're just making stuff up, but we actually do collect some information. It's written down right here. 
And uh, we've got a fax here to tell me about it. Sounds like the most romantic most ride romantic. of your life. Anyway, uh, so we do that prep and then we record, which is also another at least about an hour's worth. And then the actual editing and putting it together before we put it on for public consumption is at least another, believe it or not, like three or four hours of editing. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it still sounds. It still sucks. <laughs> I mean, this is after after it's edited. Can you imagine an there's, unedited show? There's no post production with compression of our voice cool. and all that stuff. Yeah, there is. It just, <laughs> just doesn't work. It doesn't like work. the chipmunks over here. Yeah, imagine us without the compression. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, anyway, but no, I mean, uh, I, I thank you for all you've done for the show so far, and uh, look forward to many, many more shows. I've been wanting to do this, like I mentioned when I started it, for years. And I finally have it set up to work and do it. Well, I finally got mom to listen. So. Yeah. Oh, she did. She actually listened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> did she listen to when I uh, aired her? Oh, she loved driver's it. License she loved call. it. She hated it, but she loved it. Yeah. And then uh, our oldest brother listened to episode 15 really? as his first one. Wow. Did you listen to the Christmas wishes one I did last week? I don't know. Yeah, because I only had like three listens, so I'm pretty sure you didn't. It was uh, just a little collection. I, I talked to kids and asked them what they wanted for Christmas. And it was uh, it was heartening because while some asked for stuff, many didn't. They asked for more like, I want to be with my family or prayers for their family or, you know, grandfather. Very cool. So it was, it was nice. And uh, you can check that out also at thesmallhours.podbean.com. Please get the listen count over five on that one. Uh, <laughs> it was, is Christmas. That's I my Christmas wish. <laughs> So <laughs> I didn't even see you post that. Well, it, I, I, since we didn't have a full episode, yeah. I just kind of put it out there. Oh, okay. You know, okay. so now that this is going to be a full episode, full on episode, although I don't have, I do have a song. Somebody sent me a song, uh, guys beneath the flames. Great song. I just don't have a bio for them. So I can't, I'm oh, not going to talk okay. about it this week. So we'll save it for next year, which is next week. Awesome. All right. So um, I think that'll do it for episode number 16 of the Small Hours Podcast. Speaking of which, if you're a band and you'd like to send us your stuff, you can always email us, smallhoursemail at gmail.com. That's smallhoursemail at gmail.com. And uh, you can catch our shows not only at thesmallhours.podbean.com, but also on uh, iTunes. Look for the Small Hours. Very cool. I don't know what's under the Small Hours or the Small Hours Podcast. I don't remember. But do a search for both. Right. The small hours on iTunes, and you can check it out there as well. So, uh, ending thoughts. Again, thanks. Thanks. Uh, I hope you're all having a uh, very Merry Christmas if you're listening on actual Christmas Day. If, you, uh, if, it's, if you're listening afterwards, well, I hope you had a great Christmas and uh, looking forward to great New Year. Any New Year's Eve advice? Yeah, man. If you're going to drink, uh, have somebody else drive you around. Um, I'm going to be out and about. After midnight, so uh, please don't plow into. <laughs> I hate to do one of those things, and then yeah. you know. But um, you yeah, know, be careful. Be careful, please. be careful. Yeah, for everybody's sake. For you know everyone, I mean? yeah. Your knucklehead and my knucklehead and everybody else who doesn't deserve to to be in, involved in anything like that. Yeah, we want more episodes of the Small Hours Podcast. Yeah, you know. Now that we're hitting our stride. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And please don't shoot up in the air. Oh yes, please. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do And that. if you know anybody who does it, please tell them not to do it. So, okay, that'll, uh, anything else? That's it. Good. Love your kids, hug them, kiss them, buckle them up, and uh, please <laughs> leave your phone in your pocket when you're driving. You're crying out loud. Yeah, put your headphones on, hit play on Smaller Podcast, <laughs> and leave it there. Let it play over your car speakers. Also, yeah, excellent. All right, so again, that'll do it for the Small Hours Podcast, episode number 16. This time, I will not mess up the episode number, and uh, we'd love to hear from you in the aforementioned email address, smallhoursemail at gmail.com, and of course, check us out, thesmallhours.podbean.com. You've been listening to the Small Hours Podcast with Al Guevara. I'm Al Guevara. We'll catch you next time.